community, welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus. And today we are gonna be diving into the big topic of where is God in our disappointments? Those are words that honestly can stop us dead in our tracks, right? If only I had acted sooner. If only I had said yes or no. If only. And life is not for the faint of hearts. It's full of disappointments and discouragement. It's full of death and disease. And being friends with Jesus doesn't exempt us from those hardships as much as we may wish that it could. I honestly wish that we had a hall pass from all of life's disappointments, from all of the hurts and pain that goes along with it, but it's not the case. And so this week we're jumping into John 11 and we have this beautiful passage of friends of Jesus walking through a really hard time. So why don't you turn with me to John 11? And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to help you get one. If you head on over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, myevangel.church forward slash Bible. There's uh, some links to app stores there. You can download the YouVersion Bible app, which is excellent, as well as a form. If you live in the Powell River area, we'd love to get a paper Bible to you. But flip on over to John 11. I remember my very first time wrestling with God in an if-only moment. And caveat, don't laugh because it is very foolish. <laughs> Uh, from my adult self thinking backwards, but this was a tragic moment in young Lisa's life. You see, I've always loved earrings, like love earrings. Other jewelry, not so much. Uh, necklaces make me feel like I'm choking, but I still to this day love a good pair of earrings. And that started really young in my life. And so with every like birthday money gift, with all of the money I made from tutoring and math, like all those things, I used them to buy the best collection of earrings. And I'm telling you, I had everything that a teenage girl wants, every different kind of, of earring. And I was reading about how earrings can collect bacteria that cause ear infections. And so what you should be doing is periodically soaking your earrings in hydrogen peroxide. Now some of you might already be following along with what happened. Now, being a teenager, uh, not super concerned with details, I didn't read the full article. I just saw, you should soak your earrings in hydrogen peroxide. So what did I do? I took all of my beloved earrings and threw them in a bowl and doused half of a bottle of hydrogen peroxide on it, left them and went to school. Now, I'm sure you can imagine what happened. Upon coming home at the end of the day, every single pair of my earrings was completely ruined. Like ruined, ruined. The hydrogen peroxide had eaten through everything. It had gone through metal plating. It had taken the backs of earrings completely off. I had these really cute cow earrings and it had completely morphed them into something that was unrecognizable. Every single piece was destroyed. And I remember sitting on the stairs that went up from our kitchen into our uh, 
bedroom wing and having these if only, if only I wasn't so foolish, if only I had read the whole article. And it led into these if only questions about God. God, if only you had protected my earrings. God, if only you cared about me enough to make my parents look in the bathroom where this bowl of earrings soaking in hydrogen peroxide was. If only you were mighty enough right now to miraculously put all of those earrings back together again. If only. And it seems so silly now thinking about my beloved earring collection when I was in high school. But if I'm honest, if, if only questions plague me still in so many different ways. God, if only you had prevented this. God, if only you had answered that prayer. If only. And in John 11, we see two if onlys come at Jesus. And I think it gives us a great indication of God's heart for us. We're going to read through from John 11, 1 to 37. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He is from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not in, end in death. No, it is for God's glories that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when people walk at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. 
Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Let's pray. So God, we thank you for your word that is truth and reveals Jesus to us. Holy Spirit, would you lead and guide us into all truth? I thank you that you speak and that you uncover the truth of who God is to us because you are him. And so when we wrestle with these deep questions of where are you? Where are you in life's disappointments? Where are you in those if-only moments? Where are you when we're facing death and disease and discouragement? Where are you? Would you remind us of how you had compassion on Martha and Mary and, and the people surrounding this moment of grieving and mourning? And would you remind us that you are the same yesterday, today, forevermore? So would you guide my words? Would you allow your words to go forth in my own? Would they just fade away? We want to hear you speak this morning, Lord. In your precious name, amen. Where is Jesus in our if-only moments? We enter this moment of grief with an if only. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If only, if only Jesus, you had been here. If only you had made it back sooner. If only when we sent word to you, you had spoken a word of healing like you had in the past. If only, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I love this moment, this moment of complete honesty. You know, sometimes we try and hide our true feelings from God, and I'm so glad that Martha didn't do that, that she just laid it bare with all of her doubts and her questions and her hurt. And he gives us permission to come to God in the midst of our discouragement, in the midst of death and grieving, in the midst of loss of any kind, and to lay it all out, God, I don't understand. Where were you? But then she clings to hope. William Barclay writes, here is one of the most human speeches in all the Bible. For Mo Martha spoke half with a reproach that she could not keep back and half with a faith that nothing could shake. If you had been here, she said, my brother would not have died. Through the words we read her mind. Martha would have liked to say, when you got our message, why didn't you come at once? And now you've left it too late. No sooner are the words out than there follow the words of faith. Faith which defied the facts and defied experience. Even yet, she said with a kind of desperate hope, even yet, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answers, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
and I can relate to Martha's insistence, her questions and her doubt, her grasping at faith and hope even at her deepest despair because we've all been there, haven't we? God, I don't understand. I don't understand why you wouldn't have moved and prevented this. I don't understand why you let this happen. I don't understand. If only, if only you had acted sooner, if only you had been here, if only you'd spoken that word, we've all been there. God, I don't understand, but I trust. No matter what my circumstances are, I trust. Even in my doubt and my not understanding the moment, I trust. And she trusted that God's delay wasn't his abandonment. You know, sometimes we can look and we can allow those if onlys to lead to the lies that God wasn't present, that God left us, that he abandoned us. But God's delay wasn't his abandonment, and Martha knew that. She trusted the character of Christ, and we have to do the same. We don't have to understand all the pieces because we can only see one. Rather, we have to choose where we're going to fix our gaze. Are we going to fix our gaze on the if-onlys? Allow the questions to spiral us downward into bitterness and resentment and unbelief? Are we going to choose, like Martha, to fix our gaze on the character of Christ? Onto the fact that, that he is unchanging, that he is good, on who he is. And when we fix our gaze on that, on the character of Christ that's unchanging, it gives us hope and assurance that despite every circumstance, everything is going to be okay. Martha's clinging to this hope that she has. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe it? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. And Jesus was about to do something that was incredibly miraculous. And we're going to dive into that next week. But in the middle of this fresh grief, he asks Martha where her hope rests. Where does her hope rest? See, Martha's of the Jewish faith, and so she has this trust that her brother, who believed in Jehovah God, who lived a righteous life, that he's going to be rewarded with resurrection of all who believed in Jehovah and followed him wholeheartedly. She has that that hope. She has that faith. She has that promise. But Jesus brings her one step further, deeper still, as he does over and over in, in the Gospels, as he does still over and over in our lives. He brings us deeper still. And so he says, Martha, I know you have this hope, but that hope, it's a shadow of true hope. True hope lies in me. Martha, does your hope lie in me? And in the midst of disappointment and discouragement and loss, we have to wrestle that question down. Where does our hope lie? In fresh grief, where does our hope lie? In fresh disappointment, where does our hope lie? Is our hope in the miracle? Is our hope in the manifest power of God? Because those things are great. They're exciting but they're temporary. 
But if our hope lies in him, if our hope lies in Jesus, that is lasting because God does not change. So is our hope in what God does or is our hope in who he is? And if our hope is anchored to what God does, then if only is going to be the place where our gaze naturally shifts to. If our hope is just in God coming through, if our hope is just on the miracle, if our hope is just on the answered prayer, then we're going to veer to if only. And why didn't you is going to be our default question. But if our hope lies in the unchanging character of Christ, then our gaze is going to naturally veer towards trust. Our gaze is going to veer towards the unchanging character of God. That even though I don't understand, you're faithful. Even though it doesn't feel like it right now, you're good. Even though I feel like I'm alone, you've promised that you're here with me, God with us. And when I put my gaze on the unchanging character of Christ like Martha in the midst of doubt, I can cling to hope. Hope of Jesus, our Messiah, who's promised to be the resurrection and the life. He's saying you don't understand because you see just one piece of the puzzle. And right now it feels like game over, but it's not. Because life doesn't end here. The one who believes in me is going to live despite death. Do you believe it? Do we believe it? Because God's delay is not abandonment. He knew what was coming. Martha and Mary didn't. And if they're if only questions, God shows such incredible compassion to them. He brings them deeper in understanding. He hasn't left them. He didn't forget about them. He didn't wait too long to be able to move. No, because our hope is not in the temporary. It's not in the here and now. It's in the unchanging character of Christ and the fact that death is not the end. And so with that settled, Martha goes to get Mary. And Mary comes to Jesus with her own if-onlys, with her own fresh questions. And Mary reaches the place where Jesus was, and she sees him, and she falls at his feet and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. The favorite verse of every single Bible memorization challenge. And I wonder if we realize how profound it truly is. Jesus wept. He knew what was coming. And still he entered fresh grief and he shared it. He wept. And when we hover over the if onlys, we can be tempted to place God in the position of indifferent spectator. One who had the power to intervene, but not the will. A God who created all things and then stepped back to watch them all play out. 
And when we give in to the if onlys, we can feel like God is just indifferent to us. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he doesn't love us enough to act. But the God we see here, he isn't indifferent. He's moved by his creation. He looks at the scene in front of them of him and he enters their hurt and he knows their pain. And he weeps with them. William Barclay writes, what a different picture Jesus gave. He showed us a God whose heart is wrung with anguish for the anguish of his people. The greatest thing Jesus did was to bring us the news of a God who cares. Jesus knew what was coming. He could have stopped their tears. He could have shushed their grief like, don't cry yet, just wait and see. But the heart of his creation matters to God. Your heart matters to God. In the midst of your discouragement and disappointment, in the midst of your loss, in the midst of your battles, your heart matters to God. What you're feeling matters to God. He's not one who looks down on you with quiet indifference. He's a God who steps into our grief and our pain. He shares our sorrows. And in the midst of all of our disappointment, in the midst of all of our mourning, God is there. Not as an indifferent spectator to the realities of our emotions, but as an active participant through them. The Bible tells us that God catches our tears. It promises that he's a balm to our wounds, healing them. It promises that he intercedes on our behalf. He is active with us in the middle of our hurt, in the middle of our disappointment, in the middle of our battle, in the middle of our grief. Where is God? Right here, weeping alongside his creation. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. They thought he wept on behalf of Lazarus. He didn't. He knew what he was going to do. He wept out of the depth of love for his creation. That's the love of Jesus for you. The love of a God who created the entire universe, who steps into our story and in our pain and into our loss and feels right alongside of us. He empathizes with us in our weakness, in our brokenness and in our despair. He's not indifferent. He's full of compassion. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't turned his back. He hasn't quieted out our voice. He's near to the brokenhearted. And this story has this beautiful conclusion that we're going to dive into next week. But I was struck with something that I just want to let you ponder on this week before we pick this up um, next week. It was a thought by Bruce Milne that Jesus knew full well that this moment 
would be the stepping stone to the cross. He knew full well that raising Lazarus on the fourth day and, and the claims that he would make were going to put the last of this plan into motion, the last pieces. And he went. He went. He journeyed to Martha and Mary. He stepped into their pain knowing full well that this was the moment that was going to be one of the very last stepping stones to the cross. And the disciples looked at each other and they went. Thomas says, let us go that we may die with him too. They went because they had the hope that the grave was not the end. And so they were willing to follow Jesus right to the point of death. And I was challenged by this thought. Matthew Henry in his commentary um, kind of goes, has a thought that goes kind of similar. We're apt to think ourselves zealous for the Lord when really we're only zealous for our wealth, credit, ease, and safety. And we have therefore need to try our principles. I think our if only questions, while very, very human and not wrong, can sometimes show us the depth of our trust in Jesus. When things go wrong, where's my hope? When things go wrong, can I be like Martha? who in one voice shares her hurt and her disappointment and in the next breath clings to hope, clings to faith, clings to trust in who Jesus is. Will I cling to him? Though the earth give way around me and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, will I allow my hope to be based on who Jesus is, on the firm foundation of the character of Christ that's unchanging and not just what he does? See, the reality is that this life is going to be full of disappointment, discouragement, disease, and death. Because we live in a broken and decaying world with broken and decaying bodies full of broken people making broken choices that have very real and broken consequences. Hurt and disappointment and discouragement, they're part of just being alive. And Jesus says in verse 9, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. Now the reality is that there are 12 hours of daylight, not more, not less. And we each have a set time to our days, not more, not less. It's a reality but we can choose to stumble through those days or we can choose to walk by the light. We can choose to stumble in blindness or we can choose to allow Jesus to bring hope and clarity and faith to each of our days. 
And this is our hope, that when we walk in the light of Jesus, we don't walk alone because we have a God who won't abandon us. We have a God who, even though it might seem like he's delayed, knows the entire plan. And we can trust him because he's promised to always be near. And we have a God who enters our grief, who's active in our story, who shoulders our pain. He's not an indifferent participant, kind of a spectator sitting back and folding his arms and enjoying the show. No, he's a God who's active. And he's a God who is at work and he does do the miraculous as we're going to see next week. But through Jesus, we have this assurance that death is not the end that the time of grieving will become one of hope. Now we have this assurance that no matter what happens around us, joy comes in the morning. And so this morning, if you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to meet him. This God who did, he created the entire universe, but not so he could sit back passively but because he wants a relationship with you, he stepped down in human form, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross and died in our place to appease the justice of God that demands death for the wrong that we've all done. And Jesus paid that price on the cross and he rose again to conquer even death in the grave. And this morning he offers hope. No matter what happens around us, he offers his presence, which is peace and joy and strength. He wants to be active in your story if you'll let him, if you'll allow him to be your Lord and Savior. If you do know Jesus, I know there are some of you who are walking through big storms, big disappointments, big discouragements that have lost people that are close to you recently. God hasn't abandoned you and he's not sitting back indifferent. He's right there with you in the trenches, shouldering your load, catching your tears, weeping alongside you, interceding on your behalf. Place your hope on the firm foundation of who he is. That never changes and it will never fail us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are our refuge we can run into in times of trouble. I thank you that you are the rock that stands as a firm foundation that can never be shaken. And so in times of discouragement and disappointment and loss, we turn to you. And while we share our very real feelings, while we share our hurt, while we share our disappointment, in the very next breath, we choose to trust you like Martha did. We choose to place our hope on who you are because that never fails. So would you meet every person watching this, God, right in the middle of their story, 
Would you speak peace and perseverance and strength and joy? Would you meet needs? Would you heal bodies? Would you do what only you can do? We trust you. We trust that you are with us and you are still moving and you are good. We love you in your precious name. Amen. Well, we just have a couple announcements for you uh, this week. The first one is Evangel Academy is happening tonight. Our first one. Uh, Evangel Academy is designed to be a little bit more of a concentrated and maybe formal study around God's Word. We're going to be doing one on hermeneutics tonight, which is basically a study on how to study God's Word. And so we would love to see you here at the church. Uh, anybody can come. Bring a notebook, bring your Bible, uh, bring some questions that you're going to form over our time together. We're so excited to do that. The next one is preteens. This one's for you. Uh, we're having a preteen party coming up at the end of this month, the last Wednesday, and we want to see you there. It's going to be a great, great time. We're going to be baking things. We're going to be having like a bake-off competition. We get to eat the fruits of our labors. It's going to be super fun. Sign up at myevangel.church forward slash gatherings. All of the information is there for you, but we can't wait to see you there from 6.30 until 8.00. And then finally, Trunk or Treat is happening at the end of this month on Halloween night. We're creating a safe place for our community to come to kind of our neighborhood, so to speak. We're creating that out of our parking lot. But friends, we really need your help. One of the reasons, one of the ways that you can help is by being a trunk that decorates. And so what we uh, would like you to do is to come decorate your trunk, open it up and have tons of candy in there so that when trick-or-treaters come by that we can hand them out. If you're wondering or not quite sure about maybe what you want to decorate as or you're, you're wanting to help but not quite sure how to decorate your car, come talk to us, phone us at the church. Uh, we would love to help you out but we really would love your help in that to make a safe place for uh, our community to trick-or-treat on Halloween. We have been so appreciative of your generosity over this time and, and what you give to goes to the everyday ministry that we do here at our church but also the everyday ministry that others do around the world as we partner with other people and other organizations and so we're so thankful for your giving and how uh, it's just shown that God has been faithful in our lives and that we want to be faithful in walking in obedience in that. If you want to give you can go to myevangel.church forward slash give and it will give you all of the information you need in order to do that. Well friends thank you so much we'll see you again next week have a great Sunday.